Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wrestle me, Pete! Wrestle me, Mark! That must be everyone's favourite part of the show where we just go <laughs> for a bit. Easily. It's mine. I do walk around the house slightly going <laughs> arr, arr, barking at things. Yeah. Uh, 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 welcome. It's Russell Me. You know, enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, it's uh, on the, we're on the main feed. We're on the turn. Enjoy the- <laughs> <laughs> we're on the we're going to seed. I was thinking this morning because I was reading my notes about the match we're going to talk about. Yes, I was thinking about TSL TSL. It's the wasteland, right? And I'll, I'll talk about it during the match. It's right. not a big part of it. Don't turn <laughs> off. But he has that famous thing where he says April is the cruelest month, mm. and April is the cruelest month slightly because. Uh, you have lost lots of people and yet life goes on. Mm. And so you still get the flowers coming through and things. And it reminds right. you that, you know, the world keeps turning while you, you know, watch everything die around you. And I was thinking, you know, it's funny, isn't it? Because he never heard WrestleMe, T.S. Eliot. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he would be aware now. He would be mm. going, April is the coolest month, the traditional month where WrestleMania takes place. Yes. Um, he is saying, you know, it, it, this is coming to an end. <laughs> you know, we, we are we are in the autumn stroke early winter yeah. of WrestleMe on the main feed lot of res- lot of wrestlers die and a lot of wrestling podcasts die in April they do yeah they like, just they just like they do too much over a weekend I was, <laughs> and they fall out <laughs> I was I was there's a, a, a if you type in wrestle me into um, like uh, Apple Podcasts mm, into uh, an ATM <laughs> <laughs> If you if you do type in WrestleMania to an ATM, you get hit where you owe money suddenly. Yeah. It's, uh, a big huge. metal claw comes yeah. out and grabs what, your arm. Why did he buy 52 cans of Tizer? Save the bank. Um, the, uh, he, he was hoping to sell them at a 400% profit, the fucking idiot. Um, the um, the, the uh, um, podcast that, you, yes. that comes up when mm. you type in WrestleMania to Apple Podcasts, it, it has ones that are similar. Right. And there's a couple of people I think who have jumped on the back of us. So there's, uh, there's one called like WrestleMania This. And they do. They do. I, I, that, must have come before, that must have come before us. But there's we, a podcast company called Ramble. Oh, is there? Right. Yeah, okay. Really? That's, that's a bit. Is there really? Yeah. That's oh, a, they're also a British one. And I was the like, the problem oh, is if you. The problem is if you if you do not protect your copyright, mm. you lose your copyright. So. Yeah. Look, you've got to go after the big boys. You've got to go after the small boys or girls. So you just have to because <laughs> otherwise, if a big boy comes after you later on and you haven't protected your thing, they can sort of go, well, you didn't we, chase this one. When we started this off, we used to be a couple of rebels, didn't we? <laughs> yes, and now then... <laughs> we're worried about IP infringement. It's very important to go after the little fish as well. <laughs> um, 
but but one of these podcasts that comes up uh, on there, the, the, the guys have, have um, photoshopped themselves. They're two mm. Americans. They photoshopped right. themselves onto the bodies of uh, earthquake and typhoon. Right, and the heads show that they are possibly you know quite earthquake and typhoon size. Yes, okay. That's, uh, you know yeah. the traditional, if you like, stereotypical view of what a wrestling fan is. Yeah, and uh, American. I see it every time I type in WrestleMe to see, yeah. you know, the latest episode or whatever. Okay. And it comes Checking up. Checking that I've uploaded it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've got to go off the little fish. Okay. And, <laughs> I'm the little fish. Uh, they, they basically have got, uh, in their summary of the latest episodes, mm. it begins to sort of go, uh, one of them sort of says, I think this is going to be the last episode for a while, guys. Mm. And then the last one that's up, it just says, uh, we're stopping the podcast. No real reason. We've just lost our zeal for it. Aww. And I was thinking, it is a sad thing, isn't it? Because either you have a podcast that never stops, or yes. at some point you have to throw in the towel. <laughs> and usually you throw in the towel because people aren't interested. You know, for us, a combination are, of things. Yeah, people are We want interested. to dedicate more time to pursuing people who have uh, hijacked our IP. <laughs> We've made that IP now and we have to protect it. Yeah. Even though it's perhaps, perhaps past the natural life of the podcast. It's That's a, what we're doing. If you ever try and uh, uh, do, I mean, this is a, a long shot. If you ever try and put on your own uh, Mr. and Mrs., um, at your local pub, for example. Right, okay, right? yeah. They, that is very, very zealously uh, guarded. What, Mr. and Mrs.? Yeah. Really? By uh. the creator stroke the creator's widow. And uh. they occasionally will put adverts in, like, the stage that just say, just a gentle reminder, if the, anyone's thinking of putting on a Mr. and Mrs., it is the sole property of, and then it's got the bloke's name, right. and like an address in, like, Galston in Manchester. Yes, um, nice. With, with a sort of, like, a BT internet, uh, dot com email address. <laughs> Um, it's also uh, when you watch like Strictly Come Dancing mm. um, they have a little thing at the end that just has a credit that says along the lines of um, this was the concept of and then it names the guy who came up with it mm. um, but it's also got underneath that many thanks to Mrs. name of the guy who created right. it so it's just like I right, look guys IP's important right <laughs> yeah that, whether you're dancing or yeah. talking to your wife and the clearest way to make you know no problems happen is to guard it jealously and aggressively <laughs> <laughs> Any podcast with the word wrestling, I reckon we've got a chance. I think so. Anything with the word me in. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, don't forget, we talked in the first episode about what this was originally going to be called, which was Griefcast. <laughs> George the Post's Griefcast. <laughs> um, fantastic. Welcome mm. back. Look, we are Welcome. doing the last part of WrestleMania 36, mm. uh, Night 2. Uh, this, in some ways, Pete, this next match is the match that I was most looking forward to to talking about of all time. <laughs> Definitely. And it was the most surprising on this bill, or any bill, I think I would yeah, say. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I remember at the time when it was on, we were doing WrestleMe, mm. and I was super aware when it happened. I was thinking, oh God, I can't <laughs> wait for this show. And I think a joke sort of going, we'll probably now be running forever because we will never really be able to comprehend or fully explain <laughs> oh, this We're doing match. three shows on this. <laughs> I mean, it's... it's I watched it back, and mm. I, uh, this is the, the Fiend versus John Cena in a uh, Firefly Funhouse match. Firefly mm. Funhouse match. Don't miss out the L. The L. It's a Firefly, firefly. not a Firefly. Fi. I can't even do it when I'm trying to get it wrong. <laughs> um, it's sort of genuinely bad at this. <laughs> but the, 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 the match itself is, uh, I mean, it splits people. Mm. Uh, and watching it back, what 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 did you think? What, what how I, did you find this? I I just I, it was so fucking brilliant. It was a situation where I thought it was a lot of fan service. Yeah, it wasn't quite well as executed as it could have been because I think there are limitations as to what a jazzy mainstream project product can can be. Mm. They try to go for that kind of public access 
Tim and Eric style yeah. too many times and didn't execute it properly for my money. Yeah. But greater than the sum of its parts, I think. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right about that sort of Tim and Eric feel to it. Mm. What, what's funny about like The Undertaker one is it did feel... It felt cinematic. Yeah. Or it felt director-video-ish. <laughs> it felt like a vampire uh, romantic um, yeah. uh, uh, long-term um, Yeah, uh, it was uh, like a True series. Blood TV yes, movie. Yes, yes. Um, this one, it, it is filmed weirdly and badly, mm. and it does look a bit like it's off impact. It looks like something that the Hardy Boys, who sort of originated the cinematic film mm. pre-pandemic, it, they'd film it in their house and it would be all full of silly magic and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like it, those YouTubers that do ghost hunts. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it is actually the person who was in charge of TNA and those cinematic things, a guy called Jeremy Borash. Mm. And Jeremy Borash by this time has come to the WWE and right. he is in charge of this. So I have that feeling of it isn't like it's supposed to feel like it's public access TV. Mm. It's just the way that Jeremy Borash makes these things. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> him trying to do wrestling. Yeah, and that's a sort of weird sort of little way. Um, but before we get into the match itself, a little bit of the history of it. Mm. Uh, this match was intended originally to be John Cena versus Elias with his guitar. <laughs> Fucking guitar. The previous two WrestleManias, they've had various bits where John Cena has, has ruined Elias's big singing moment. Yeah. And the idea was that the third one, they would get to do this. Elias has talked about how disappointed he was uh, <laughs> that this was all changed, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, but they had Cena, basically, uh, he returned to the WWE after a long hiatus in uh, July 2019. Um, and he uh, basically said, I'm not going to wrestle at WrestleMania this year. Mm. Um, I've been out, so I don't deserve to be on the card. Yeah. That was a slight uh, knock against The Rock. So Cena, uh, in some of his very, very mild negative stuff, which he later apologised for much too profusely, <laughs> uh, a bit like saying Taiwan was a country. Yeah, um, and uh, Dave Batista had to go him. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to be lumped in with him. Exactly. And he went, well, I understand why that's the yeah. case. But Cena right. basically had said about The Rock, he'd said, it's not fair that he comes back and does the, the main events at WrestleMania when you've got everyone who is working all through the mm. year, building up, and he just pops back in. Is that kind of what he's doing now, though, I see? It's what he did here. <laughs> so he was like, oh, I don't want to take away those opportunities and that sort of thing. He turns up and he's grown his hair out a bit as yeah. well, as if to kind of go, look, I've moved on. <laughs> I, I no longer have a crew cut. But as he gave his sort of farewell mm. uh, a salute, because <laughs> he's military, um, he, uh, the lights went out. When they came back on, The Fiend was behind him. Mm. And The Fiend just pointed at the WrestleMania sign, of course. Mm. Of course he did. And he was up bombed him. <laughs> <laughs> and Cena just turned around and nodded. That yeah. was it. Yeah, yeah. So he does this big thing about, like, I'm not going to... And he's like, I, I know, though. I am coming back. I am coming back. And then the two of them have a match uh, scheduled. It was a rematch from WrestleMania 30 mm. um, in uh, 2014 when Cena took on uh, Bray Wyatt, pre-The Fiend, right. there. Pre-fiend. And um, basically, uh, the, the week before WrestleMania, or two weeks before, um, uh, Wyatt came out and said, I am challenging you to a Firefly Funhouse match, um, and I, I don't think he, they should be allowed to kind of um, couch an entire the thing they've just made up in yeah. a. I'm having a fight. It's 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 the, it's the coal miner's glove bollocks. Yeah. Where it's just like we've done one of these that doesn't get to be a match type. No, you can have that like historically. Uh, what but... what they were aware of at the time is they had no idea what this was going to be, <laughs> and they never once spoke about what it was. Right. And I think they were probably going, "What are we going to do?" Um, mm. And Cena has talked about it. I think we'll get to that at the end when I just I, I'll tell you how, how he felt about the match. Mm. But he sort of says quite early on, "We didn't have any clue. There was no <laughs> idea about what it would be, and it was a totally blank page." Yeah. Um. So they were just sort of. Working out as they went along. That, that, 
doesn't sound like a great idea. It sounds like the sort of thing we do. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like something I do, rather. Mark, you, you're well more, well more organised than me. But you get um, uh, seen, basically, when they said, why have you accepted this match, John? When you, when you spent a long time just saying you weren't going to do this because mm. it was... Why have you come back to do this mad shit? Yeah, exactly. Um, Cena just said, I think that Bray Wyatt has been a constant presence standing in the way of other people coming up the card. Yeah. Um, and the people, he, he sort of said, I'm going to stop him so that people like Drew McIntyre and the Velveteen Dream can get better places on the on the card. Mm. Um, Velveteen Dream uh, <laughs> wrestling with something entirely different. Uh, bad person. <laughs> um, so um, Bray Wyatt had said, "I think you're insincere." You know, mm. he said, um, I, "I know this because I, of course, wrestled you at WrestleMania 30, and you have a reputation for derailing careers." Yeah. Um, Cena is blamed by Wyatt basically for saying, "I lost that match to you," and it killed my momentum mm. and so rather than being this guy who's all noble and you're like I'm going to get rid of you so any, everyone else can have a go he was saying yeah you, you just don't know when to get out the spotlight you are hogging it even now yeah. now what I love about this match is it's genuinely the most savage demolition of John Cena as a performer and human being <laughs> yes. that actually you look back on and you go fuck me they really went for it in this <laughs> they really go for him and a lot of my appreciation of this match has been changed by reading theories online mm. about what all, what all of it means. Right. It's slightly like, you shouldn't have to. No. You shouldn't have to. You should just be able to watch it and go, I got a lot out of that. And I didn't get a lot out of it. I was just like, all oh, this is stupid. And then I read, read a couple of people who were talking about it. I was like, holy fuck, this has unlocked it. <laughs> and what it's like is it's like T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland. Right. You read The Wasteland, it's just fucking mumbo jumbo. <laughs> Every time you sort of go, I think I know what's going on, mm. you just go, oh no, it's changed now. There's a load of bits that I just I can't even like follow. When you have someone who basically goes, here's the York notes, and there's three lines about every single four word section, you know, mm. and you go, oh, okay, so that's what you said. Oh, right, yeah, second yeah. world war in the back. Oh, yes, okay, or first world war. Um, you know, there's loads of stuff, and you go, oh, actually, this is quite like nourishing. Mm. I quite like yeah. this. So, it, but but that's not wrestling. It isn't no. wrestling. This this is. This is mind games writ large in wrestling, where you go, we don't know what we're doing, it's mind games. Yeah. Um, and this is a sort of, like a dark, crap, public service broadcasting attempt at doing an HBO Supernatural. It's the sort of thing you'd see at Fright Fest. Yes. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Where You've the, gone too big. Exactly. Where you'd go, oh, I, think it's, I think it's probably about, like, the Holocaust. <laughs> and the guy goes, no, actually, what it's about is it's about the persecution of Irish people in London. You go, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool, All right, cool, okay, cool, now cool. it's... But yeah. you sort of go, but was it a good film? Nah. <laughs> nah. Didn't enjoy it. No, it was just about a ghost running about. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and that's what this is. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the actual match itself, or the match, the bit, uh, was filmed a week before... Uh, the the whole of WrestleMania, mm. um, and it took seven <laughs> hours to shoot. They needed time to. <laughs> to I thought it would have taken longer to build. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of weird stuff goes on. When you read seven hours to shoot, you mm. sort of go seven hours long for a match, but then you go <laughs> very not... short. For yeah, a filmed thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it really is. It basically works out as what uh, for every minute they get on tape mm. that they use, there are another what thirteen minutes that yeah. they film. Which... That. That is not a high ratio. (laughs) Not a high ratio at all. Um, I'm not sure if that maths is right, by the way. (laughs) I just just threw it in there. But I'm like the fiend. I'm a devil. Don't care, man. Oh, the the fiend has no time for maths. (laughs) The fiend is too busy sticking his dick in his hot dog. (laughs) 
Um, uh, unlike the rest of uh, the WrestleMania as well, this wasn't filmed in the Performance Center. It was performed at the WWE's corporate headquarters in Stamford. <laughs> just in the offices. <laughs> in the offices. Nice, nice. Just get a green screen up. Fine. Partly because they had a lot of the uh, the gubbins that they used. The puppets. And yeah. The odds and sods. Yeah, yeah, and the sort of steel cage and stuff like that. That was all there. So they're like, why don't you come over to ours? Yeah. And we'll do it there in, in simply seven hours. Um, <laughs> if, if you started at ten... You'd be over by five. Yeah. Not long enough. No. Did was, they need to do it overnight, though? Like, because they didn't, because they did the all of The Fiend only stuff. works at night. <laughs> How are you going to get the Fiend during the day? <laughs> the Fiend is sleeping. Sleeping on a bed of boobies. <laughs> he, um, <laughs> no one ever said what the Fire, Firefly Funhouse match was, because nobody knew. Mm. And um, after it was over, yeah. there was a sort of split between people saying this was brilliant, sort of unique storytelling. Um, and a lot of other people just sort of saying... It was just a sort of jumble of nostalgic imagery that, that yeah. did, didn't mean anything. They hadn't gone deep on it, Pete. <laughs> Had, but have, have the people theories. assigned meanings on top of it? Is it kind of like, I understand, but like, are they, are, can WWE just be kind of assigned to being quite lucky at certain uh, points? They can, but weirdly, as we go through chapter by chapter, <laughs> um, you, I, I reckon... There's a, there's a case to be made that this is much better than anyone thinks it is. Right, okay. And it really is sort of surprising. Here are your pass notes. <laughs> this is the York notes. This is the yeah. York notes of The Fiend versus Cena, yep. which okay. actually I would like to see someone press. I've se- look, I've seen videos like this on YouTube and they're usually quite badly done. It's mm. never envisioned. It's just kind of because people are scared to use footage from the actual things. So they will just use um, uh, for t- photographs taken at the time. You're still going to get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, the algorithms might not get you, but the photographers will get you. A lot of people I, I follow on Twitter are like, them. just got a takedown thing from WWE, can't believe it. Only, yeah. used, only used a clip that was three seconds long. Yeah. Was, yeah, there's yeah there's small fish, big fish, IP. Do <laughs> 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 ring any bells? Um, <laughs> the thing cares not about your IP. Yeah, you will, you will, you will. Um, well, can Bray Wyatt use us? No, no, we can't. No. <laughs> um, it starts with John Cena coming out, mm. and he has his traditional sort of modern entrance, and he just shouts, Welcome to Rassel! And it goes into old footage. Yeah. And you get Vince and Mean Gene, and it's all sort of skew if and, you know, skibbity babbity boop. Because that's horror. <laughs> what could be more horrific than a video malfunctioning? Yeah, 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 yeah. Someone in a hood and a little mask. Defo. A needle. Yes. Ooh. Cat in a medicine cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> um, the um, He goes into the, the <laughs> Firefly Funhouse. Uh, mm. He finds himself in there, the set that Bray Wyatt uses. Mm. Um, and uh, I think there's a voiceover, is there, by Wyatt? I haven't written who says it. Yeah. But it's there's another world that exists beyond our realm of comprehension. A world where our darkest urges are no longer kept secret. Wow. Should have immediately cut to like a flash clip of Cena blowing a load of Marines. Ha ha, says the fiend. I, I genuinely thought that you were going to put in a bit that showed me messing up my 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 you know attitude adjustment there. Nope. 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 Just a heavily doctored video of you kissing a load of Marines, because that's what you are very, not into kissing Marines, but yeah. you are very much that, a this, man who pretends he is a Marine. This match is all about your darkest urges. This yes. match is all about breaking you down. Yes. So I know we said it was going to be like fun wrestling stuff no we're, we're going in with both feet here. <laughs> um, uh, here's a picture of your mum uh, <laughs> why is that there oh mind games um, Wyatt then says that, that Cena will be facing his most dangerous opponent himself mm. um, and this is where it starts to get sort of like you can just watch it and just go and then he goes here and, and then this happens then he goes and there then, this happens, then he yeah. goes there mm. let's break it down please let's break it down okay here we go <laughs> 
There are numerous references at the start to Dante's um, Divine Comedy. And basically, you see the first thing that says, uh, in, in Dante, it says, Abandon hope all who uh, enter here. Mm. And across the door of the Firefly Funhouse, it says, Abandon hope all who exit here. Right. I don't know whether they've, they've got IP. <laughs> IP. Don't, don't want to be sued by Dante. Dante. Um, in case he's still alive. Um, but uh, what happens in the Divine Comedy is the hero goes through the nine levels of hell. Yeah. And each of those things represents all of the sins that he's committed during his life and his personality flaws. Yeah. That, that's what we're doing so, here. So that's what we're doing here. And you present that to Vince and he goes, well, don't mention any of that. Yes, yeah. And this all has to be subtext because I'm not having that shit on my yeah. screen. Sorry, is it a book? <laughs> is it a book? You're fired. <laughs> Fucking book. <laughs> Fucking kiss your book. <laughs> <laughs> the um, uh, scene then goes uh, 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 through. Out comes uh, Rambling Rabbit who is yes. one of the puppets as well. He tells Cena to go through the door. Cena's starting to sound a bit southern. He sort of yeah. puts a little lilt on his voice, and he, I can't handle yeah. it. <laughs> He's got that sort of weird sort of thing. He also, at this point, begins to look a little bit like Frank Skinner. He's, oh, right, okay, he's, yeah. He's lost a bit of a bit of weight, mm, and his face, face has got a bit gaunt, and he suddenly <laughs> looks like Frank Skinner. Um, and uh, I, I would not want to see Frank Skinner in this. No. Just be oh, loads of like wanking, horrible. <laughs> um, uh, he s- says to Cena, "Go through the door." Cena could just say no. Yeah, I'm not going to go through the door. No, and then but it he's ends. Com- he's compelled. He is compelled by his darker destiny. I just want to wrestle in that red light. If I go through, <laughs> if I go through there, can I go on a red light? No, no red light for you. Uh, he comes out, and he he is basically uh, the the debut that he made in the WWE in 2002. Mm. He's wearing the same kit, and he is the ruthless aggression John Cena. Mm. Um, uh, he looks very much like JBL as well. Yeah. when JBL retired, they just lose a bit of like definition in the face and, and grow the hair out as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, he can basically only say um, ruthless aggression. Yes. He just constantly goes, ruthless aggression, ruthless <laughs> aggression. And I, I watched this at the time and I'm like, this is really embarrassing. I don't, I don't know what, what he's doing or what they're trying to get across. Um, basically, the stuff I've read online is saying what this represents is this represents Cena at 2002, where he didn't have any personality, mm. where he didn't have a voice of his own and he couldn't define himself by anything other than just becoming the living embodiment of Vince McMahon's latest catchphrase, ruthless Ruthless aggression. aggression. And so all he can do is shout that. You notice in this, he doesn't fight back because he's not really about anything engaging. Mm. He's just about being a cipher. Now, Bray Wyatt says, I'm not going to lie, this is pretty embarrassing. He says, I am literally living your biggest failure. Mm. And what this represents is the fact that by with this character, which went nowhere, really, he had some big matches, but he didn't kind of find his feet. Cena was very, very close to being let go. Right. The only thing that stopped Cena being let go was they did a Halloween episode where he dressed as a rapper and he did a rap that Stephanie McMahon thought was sensational. <laughs> so in this character, he came very, very close to just being sacked and a nobody mm. and so that is why Wyatt is going this was your worst failure and look Pete I've been into wrestling since 1989 and when I watched this the first time round none of that came into my mind no I was just like oh it's embarrassing what that he's this? just going oh aggression and he couldn't do anything I was like why the fuck is he hitting him or something he couldn't do anything um, but once I read that I'm sort of like oh okay you, mm. ha- you haven't got it across <laughs> yeah, perfectly yes, yeah. but a good try. Yeah. Let's see what you're going for. Um, in this bit as well, Bray Wyatt just sort of, he does a sing-song voice. It comes out of nowhere. It doesn't really relate to anything that's gone before. And he just goes, you can look 
what you can't touch. <laughs> Which is the theme song of the Bellas. Yeah. So Nikki Bella. Um, and that was just a sort of weird dig to sort mm. of go, ah, uh-huh. do you remember WrestleMania 33 when you proposed to a woman and then, and then you broke, ah. Um, and that was awkward. Um, during a Q&A uh, on, on Twitter during WrestleMania 36, uh, the Bellas had, had sort of gone, ask us anything. Mm. And somebody uh, asked, does Nikki turn the TV off during John Cena's match or does she keep it on and watch? Mm. Uh, and she replied, oh, I'm watching. <laughs> someone then said what are your thoughts about the Cena and Wyatt match and she went interesting very entertaining <laughs> N she says she signs off N, N so you right. know it's her and not Brie okay. that is weird again that you sort of go oh they've done something here and they've oh I feel bad now yeah, I, I, I yeah, I would. I, if I was a partner that I, you know, was no longer with John Cena, I'd be like, oh, even the mighty John Cena. Uh, uh, did, did Nikki enjoy the bit where the Marines flashed up? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, and <laughs> a lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's transfer deadline day. Ashwood City are drifting under manager Sven Joran Eriksson and chief executive Patrick Nolan is willing to do whatever it takes to turn things round. Oh, look, it's just for a season or two, you know. We, we get them really cheap, you know, 10% of what they're worth in some cases. And, I mean, the sponsors it would attract as well as the cash out. Patrick Nolan, MBE, stop talking. This is a fucking Tevez and Mascherano player heist. 
Hall. In the award-winning football mockumentary, The Offensive, the thick of it meets the Premier League, and things are about to reach breaking point in the boardroom. That's the rules, Woody. Oh, so now we like the rules, do we? Woody, you can't just move a piece and make up how to play. Well, you don't get to tell me what I can and can't do. No, move that back. Fucking get off. Don't touch my pieces. You're cheating. You're cheating. Cheating. That's an invasion of my pieces, that. Stop fingering my bishop. You don't know where he's been. It's not... Oh... Start your Ashwood City journey and listen to The Offensive wherever you get your podcasts. The Offensive is a stack production. So they go from that bit, which is about Cena being (laughs) bland and just the living embodiment of Vincent Mann's latest corporate advance Mm. to the sort of Saturday night's main event credits mm. uh, the big show in the 80s it was on uh, nbc i think uh, incredibly um and so a, a huge show for the wwe especially from the mid 80s to the late 80s although it went as long as 1992 um and bray wyatt is there doing a pitch perfect <laughs> 1980s sort of character yeah he is so good at this you forget of course that that uh, he is the son of a 1980s stroke 90s wrestler mm. that he grew up in this world and so what he's basically doing is is he's you know it's not like he's just good at this because he's a fan this is part of his backstory yeah and I, I i thought he did such a great performance he's just all about the muscles he's not about having <laughs> muscles and out comes uh john cena who is called johnny large meat <laughs> i'm amazed there aren't more t-shirts with that on, yeah i must admit and this this bit is all about Cena's physique outstripping his wrestling ability. Mm. So what they're saying here is Bray Wyatt is saying you could have been huge in the 80s because the 80s was all about big physiques, jacked people who couldn't fucking wrestle. Mm. And that's one of the criticisms of Cena, of course. You can't wrestle, you can't wrestle. That he is not a great performer, but he's been pushed to the moon because Vince McMahon still loves those muscle boys. (laughs) Um, There's sort of funny sort of, you know, bits about this where Bray Wyatt is quite often often criticising John Cena for uh, getting a push due to various things like yeah. muscles or um, at one point he starts sort of saying, you know, it was just handed to you on a plate and things like that. He is the son of sort IRS, of, yes, you know. Exactly. He is named after Barry Windham, you know, his, <laughs> his godfather. It, it, it's a, it, possibly the wrong wrestler to do that with, mm. but of course by this point he's so distance if you like he also did have difficulty breaking through because he was a big boy yeah you know he wasn't muscular mm. he was you know given this awful gimmick at the start called husky harris husky being the sort of american version of podgy mm. you know just a, a you know I, I, he's obviously he's got a chip and I, and I do wonder you know i don't get the impression that cena had much involvement in this mm. where he went do a big thing about me being muscular but not able to wrestle <laughs> and i think it probably is just bray wyatt sitting there going i hate this well guy. you'd think well, you'd think that he would have a bigger say because he's obviously the biggest star and more important I, to do i just don't think he's bothered you know what no, it's like yeah. when people become really big yeah and, and they're and, like this now takes me out of having to do anything yes exactly and also yeah and i don't have to work at night where the feeding must work <laughs> yeah. i think with in many ways also um cena is an under, I've, I've said it before you don't necessarily believe it but cena is an underrated shit poster on yeah. Instagram, he does like he does follow like a lot of weird accounts, and <laughs> and I can't help but think that he just fucking gets off on this bollocks. Like, yeah. he, he loves a lot of shite, a lot of nonsense. Yeah, anything a bit weird, he really enjoys. Yeah, completely. <laughs> he, he starts doing a promo, and it's just garbage. And again, <laughs> yes. like the eighties, which yeah. is funny. When the rubber hits the road, the cream rises. Somebody say something about WrestleMania day and night. <laughs> um, 
he's good at that yeah. you know um, he's also wanking off these dumbbells <laughs> yes. screaming and like twitching and then there's a bit where he's like I can't he can't lift his arms yeah and again I was like I just don't understand what this is <laughs> um, the, the critique is that he spent so much time <laughs> developing his body mm. that what he didn't do was spend any time learning how to wrestle mm. so he is sort of impotent once the dumbbells are down yeah he doesn't have that ability um, and you get sort of Bray Wyatt shouting what you gonna do brother when you realize egomania has been running wild on you <laughs> they then cut to the uh, smackdown with the the, uh, the sort of classic fist mm. uh, from the set um big show put up a photo recently just going here i am with my um my fist that's the fist that they used oh, really? to make the smackdown set that's interesting someone pointed out that he had bald hair in that photo and they were like you didn't have bald hair until about four years later <laughs> So this is just nonsense. Um, but good on him for giving it a go. Um, we, we get Cena then, who is the basic thugonomics, uh, word life uh, Cena. Mm. And in this, he can only talk in rhymes. And what's really good about this is they, they fill the sort of like the background with just crickets chirping or really weak laughter. Yes. Just like people, one person going, uh, uh. <laughs> um, uh, it's, it's good this I mean, I mean they, they have loads of sort of hackneyed Cena lines um, you're a slut for opportunity you've blown every chance mm. what's really good about this bit is how Bray Wyatt reacts mm. which is with a sense of sort of sadness Shame, yeah, yeah. and he's bit, like oh. he says in his in, in totally out of character he just sort of goes I have had to work for every opportunity I've had he sort of <laughs> says which again not quite true but he says he's basically saying uh, in this bit John Cena is a hypocrite because John Cena will do anything for fame, including these rhymes which are just poking fun at other people. Yeah. You know, um, he says, you're a bully, you're a horrible person. You take the weaknesses of others and turn them into jokes. Congratulations. You're the man now, John. Um, <laughs> one of the things that he does quite early on this is John Cena does a joke about Bray Wyatt being fat. Mm. And it's just that thing of Bray Wyatt just going, I'm really disappointed. Yeah. I'm really yeah. disappointed yeah. in this. Cena hears it. And rather than go, maybe he's got a point, he just does another really shitty rhyme and he goes, these nuts, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, and what, what, what they're basically saying is, 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 Bray Wyatt is saying is, you have taken this route that is not you. This mm. isn't you at all. This is just a gimmick. And you have run with it to become famous, but you're not true to yourself. Mm. I love it. I really love it. I love the fact that Cena's most popular thing of him being this like arrogant twatty rapper doing silly sex raps. Yeah. They're looking back on and just going, real shame. <laughs> real shame. Um, we then cut to, to Bray Wyatt as the preacher character that, yes. that he played before everything got really out of control and stupid. <laughs> that was a, a really, really, really good uh, uh, you know, gimmick. Mm. And it goes back to their match at WrestleMania 30. Uh, what you have is is Cena, who is now supposed to be the man of the people. That's how he's being portrayed, mm. this popular guy. He is not as popular as Bray Wyatt in that match. Um, they have uh, a sort of rewriting of Bray Wyatt's greatest failure, that he is basically saying, I, I know in this point that pinning you doesn't make a difference. Mm. Um, what I need to do instead is I need to make you understand and change you, okay? <laughs> so what he wants to say to him is, you are a man who is so obsessed with fame that you have been willing to do anything to achieve it. Mm. You've been willing to be the corporate face. You've been willing to denigrate your co-workers. You've been willing to, you know, you've been refusing to give up the spotlight. Mm. And 
he, he there's a bit with a chair where basically Cena refused to use a chair in WrestleMania 30 against Bray Wyatt. And this time he gives him the chair. And he's basically saying, use it because, you know, you'll do anything. Yeah. We know that now. So here's the chair. You might as well use it because you'll do anything to hold on to that point. Cena goes to hit him. And the very fact that Cena has used the chair <laughs> shows that Wyatt has won. <laughs> we then go to a little bit where he's in the NWO. Mm. He's become heel John Cena, uh, the thing that he refused to do. <laughs> what Wyatt is making the comparison here is that Cena is very, very much like his childhood idol, even though he doesn't want to be. What he is like is he's like Hulk Hogan. Mm. He he's overstayed his time in the spotlight at the expense of a load of underprivileged, un- underutilized talents, really. He prolonged this dominance for generations by 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 sort of just changing himself a little bit to mm. keep clinging on. And what he's saying here is, if you'd have gone in, given into your dark side and become a bad guy, what is the difference between you and the universally loathed within the industry, Hulk Hogan? Um, there's a little bit where a puppet Vince McMahon then says, this is good shit. Enjoyable. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> swearing in the show. As I discussed before, there everyone's swearing. That is also a really weird little bit because uh, that was a quote used by Dean Ambrose when he left the WWE and he was criticising the product mm. and he was just like, you know, they probably sit there thinking, oh, this is good shit. Mm. And that's a sort of dig at Dean Ambrose <laughs> as well. The layers on this, Pete. The layers. Uh, um, worth saying, there's been zero wrestling moves so far <laughs> in this. Um, you get Cena um, uh, at this point, basically, he, he embraces the real John Cena, the dark John Cena yeah. lurking behind the facade of the upright military company man. And he just begins battering the shit out of Bray Wyatt. You get some flashbacks to the most volatile crowd reactions he's got during his career, mm. which happened at the ECW One Night Stand and the Money in the Bank 2011. And what you get is Cena sucks, Cena sucks, and he's just pounding away. Basically, it's almost like the criticism has broken through for the first time he's heard it. Yeah. Um, he is pummeling. I love this bit. Bray Wyatt. <laughs> and he looks down again, and it's Bray Wyatt's uh, puppet pig, Huskus. <laughs> Why did you do this? Why? I mean, the, 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 <laughs> the character of Huskus represents uh, Bray Wyatt's run in the early days of WWE stroke NXT as Husky Harris. Mm. And it's about keeping down the new <laughs> young talent in the form of a puppet pig. Um, we get to the last now bit. Now it's getting meta. We get to the last bit. Um, and basically, Cena looks at his hands. And what he realises is not just that he's lost control, but that everything Bray Wyatt has been saying is right. Mm. He's been confronted throughout this with the ugliest parts of his personality. He's vain. He's vengeful. Mm. He's mean. He can't wrestle. He's controlling. (laughs) He's overstayed his welcome. Uh, He has a desire to do anything to stay in the spotlight. He is in this match at at WrestleMania that he shouldn't be in. Uh, There is... Just you get that moment where Cena looks at his hands and he goes, "Fuck, that is me." Mm. You've called me out on it, and you're a hundred percent right. And at that minute, up comes the fiend. Yeah, because by embracing his own demons, Pete John Cena has let the fiend in. in. Yeah, there is uh, a pinfall, <laughs> pointless pinfall, but it stops whatever this is. 
first wrestling move. First wrestling move. Yeah. Uh, and that represents the defeat of the myth of John Cena mm. as a self-sacrificing hero. <laughs> he is. He has been shown for what he is. And it echoes a line that Cena had said way before this match where he'd been talking about The Fiend and he said uh, in a SmackDown or a Raw, he said, uh, this WrestleMania match is going to accomplish what should have happened six years ago, ending the existence of the most overhyped, overvalued, overprivileged WWE superstar in existence. The Fiend fiend has taken those words and he has made John (laughs) Cena eat (laughs) them. Um, this gives you Bray Wyatt has a rare win at WrestleMania. Mm. Uh, is it his only win? Could be. Um, yeah, I think it might be. I might be wrong. <laughs> and, <laughs> sort of thing I should have written down. <laughs> Sorry, right, you got a lot out. And John Cena just disappears. Mm. He has popped away now. He is out. Uh, just disappeared from existence. Um, a lot of people at the time were like, "I wonder what they're going to do the next night on Raw." Yeah, are they going to just like be hit? Cena comes back and he's like, "I've been Evil gone, Cena. For, I've been gone for seventy <laughs> years. Um, I was in a dark place." But uh, they just didn't really mention it. Ever, no, you know, it just, it just went well. Let's see how people react to it. Yeah, and first things first, people probably thought, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, and the "What the fuck is this?" hadn't been replaced by the introspection and the uh, analysis. Let's say the first time I saw this, Peter, I thought it was shit. <laughs> Uh, recently when I watched it I was like I sort of enjoy this I then read that I've watched it again since I enjoy it more I do enjoy it more I think it's you know unfortunately they have not gone close enough to allowing you to get to that reading of it Mm. and it's only when I read someone else who had done all of that work (laughs) uh, whose name I've forgotten it's so disrespectful (laughs) but once once I'm like that I'm like okay if that's what they were going for fantastic yeah there's every chance they weren't. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I just think they looked into a lot of it. We didn't even talk about the Macho Man puppet, for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, Mercy Macho Man, or whatever his name was. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a wonderful, wonderful... Stu- I mean, it's, it's wonderful piece of wrestling nonsense. Mm. Because anything like that that you go, maybe there is a bit more to it, is slightly rare in wrestling. Yeah. Wrestling is very surface. And to do something like that, if if the reading of that, the very fact it opens itself up to a reading like that, it does put it on a par with T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland. <laughs> and it should be studied at university. <laughs> um, Cena did an interview afterwards, um, <laughs> at which point basically people were positive about it. Right. Um, he he uh, did an interview with Den of Geek, and he said, the Funhouse match was something I hold very close to me. I remember specifically asking what a Firefly Funhouse match was. I can't say it. Firefly oh, Funhouse fun match house, yeah. was. And the answer was literally, we don't know. In most performers, that would cause panic. But I was <laughs> just riveted by the open field that we could possibly create something special. Mm. Again, he's, he's, he's playing into what the match is. <laughs> by where he goes, most performers would have been really scared by that. Not me. <laughs> I'm real clever. I was going to make it amazing. Uh, he said... We weren't given any direction. We were just given this thing, and then we made this out of nothing because the response of all of our inquiries was always, I don't know. So instead of taking, I don't know, as like mopey complacency and going back and kicking the rock down the road, we took I don't know as an opportunity. And trust me, man, when we were doing this, everyone involved was like, this is either going to be awesome or it's going to suck. No one is going to apathetically watch this and go and get popcorn. It's either going to be really good or it's going to suck. And we are going to go down with the ship. So let's not err on the side of caution. Let's be brave and let's do something different. If they don't get it, at least we'll know right away that they didn't get it. And we'll know why. Because our audience is very vocal when they don't like stuff. 
Um, he said it was a really cool thing. He said it was very creative. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, I think, you know, unnecessary, there are no writers on this. There are writers. Yeah, of course there are. I think Bray Wyatt is widely regarded, certainly within WWE when he was there. And uh, people say he is a creative genius when it comes to wrestling. I think a lot of that creativity needs to be harnessed better than it is. Certainly the Fiend stuff has been, for my money, appalling. (laughs) But what you can see with something like this, I get the impression this is more led by Bray Wyatt than John Cena. Mm. And for Cena to just go, everyone's like, I don't know. So we had to sort it out. Mm. I have an impression it was more Wyatt and then a load of backstage people. Uh, And Cena just sort of going, yep, sounds cool. I will okay that um the uh, the hollywood reporter did say that the boneyard and the firefly funhouse matches uh, could set a precedent for wwe because they were quite well reviewed mm. um they said there would be more cinematic experiences in future programming but is that just because like, that these were better than the wrestling matches they put on just simply because the wrestling matches weren't great like it's yeah. not because these were particularly good these, these they were good these but... were also two matches that didn't rely on the traditional uh, wrestling crowd mm. so by taking the crowd out they actually went well, well let's make something where we can't have a crowd Mm. So these worked. Could you do a cinematic match now? Now there are crowds back. I think it would be very, very difficult to. Yeah. Um, I, I think it would be also pointless because it's expensive. And how are you going to get people watching it? You know, you have to put on a show and then you say to everyone, stay in the arena and watch this. You know, it's, it's <laughs> Is just... it expensive, Mark. It was only seven hours of filming there. <laughs> you, you, they had to pay for an awful lot of John Cena's old clothes to be dry clean. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, the, uh, the, 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 what this leads to, of course, with the cinematic thing is during the lockdown, uh, no crowds era, they do sort of go, those work really well. Mm. So we can do these again. Uh, they do Money in the Bank uh, uh, 2020 and Extreme Rules, the horror show, which are absolutely hands down two of the worst shows <laughs> of all time. It's, it's whenever they stumble upon something and then try and do it bigger and better. They can't. Yeah, yep. Money, M- Money in the Bank, Pete, is so bad that it is going to be the penultimate show we cover on the uh, this feed here uh, before we do WrestleMania 37. Right. Because it is... The worst, the worst three hours you will three ever see. Hours. I think it might be more than it could be four. I was under the, the the Extreme Rules horror show. They they had a match between Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman in a swamp, and that is probably the nadir of modern <laughs> WWE programming. Um, until Miz and Morrison brought out the um, uh, the water pistols uh, right. at SummerSlam, uh, that oh, was lovely. just it was so excruciating. Pete makes me feel sick. <laughs> um, and then, what better way? to wrap that up than by cutting back to the host of WrestleMania, Titus O'Neil, who just stares at the camera and just goes, I don't know what I just saw. (laughs) What what a fucking weird way to end that. Just, there's no... It's not like we always go, everything in wrestling, you have to then cut to someone and they go, this is what I thought. Yeah. It's 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 the the father the father of uh, you know success has has many fathers and yeah success you know, has many fathers uh, yeah. failure has um, one one and one. it's a stepfather and it's a father yeah <laughs> and, and it's, I think that's how it goes um, and uh, and that's why I didn't leave with the T S Eliot stuff because I can't because yeah. I don't I'm not very cultured um, but <laughs> but you yeah, just sort of think, like I think that was a massive hedge bet from Titus he was yeah. instructed to say that because he was like. I, they want to sort of be able to distance themselves from whatever the fuck just happened. Yeah, and I think, you know, where did this match take place? Mm. Where did it take place? <laughs> did it take place in John Cena's mind? Yes. In which case, how was it filmed? <laughs> and I think Titus has got that thing of just going, we have to, you know, they're sort of going, we have to pretend this is just like a, this is just like beamed in from mm. another dimension and yeah. stuff. And Titus is already like, 
who was in it? You know, <laughs> he's like, so, oh, is that, are, they, um, are they wrestling? Or I, I the... walked, I didn't watch that, but I walked past the screen and it looked like they were editing something. It the, was so confusing. The worst thing WWE, and it's absolutely encapsulated within that, mm. is whenever they have anything with The Fiend where something catches fire, mm. they always have the commentators going, I just don't know what. Is going on. <laughs> like that and they don't sort of go oh uh, that was scary there was that, some fire look at Ooh. that that was, that was unbelievable yeah uh, no, they, they, they always have them just going we just can't begin to comprehend <laughs> or process <laughs> just, just go with aliens yeah. uh, Corey would you like to say something quietly I just don't know where to I just don't you know. Namaste. <laughs> I am a dirtbag. <laughs> <laughs> you big dirtbag. Big dirtbag, Corey. Uh, we have got a main event to do. I mean, do you want to do, you wanna do it? Just spaff it out. Five minutes on the main event. I mean, there's very little to say, I think, after that. And, yeah. and it was, you didn't need. It. No, it was important, but you didn't need it. Didn't it feel a bit like? I think it was because the bad guy went over, and they go, "Well, we have to let everyone leave WrestleMania on a high." On a high, so yeah, let's okay. do that by giving a really, really bad <laughs> flat match uh, yes. that is overused in the, in the in the let's all do big moves, and then sooner or later someone will finally be pinned after one mm. of those big moves, and the whole thing will be wrapped up in four minutes. <laughs> um, it's Brock Lesnar, the Universal Champion, versus Drew McIntyre. Um, I feel very bad for Drew McIntyre mm. in this. It is his biggest moment, his WrestleMania main event. It is his redemption story mm. after 12 years uh, following the first time he was signed with the WWE. He was fired. He was uh, out on the road. He came back and he finally gets to main event WrestleMania. And it's under COVID conditions, unfortunately. Entirely. His entire title run uh, and this match take place without the crowds. Mm. Um, he did an interview about it. He said, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't angry and disappointed when I found out that after 19 years of hard work and so many ups and a lot, a lot of downs to get to the point that it wasn't going to be in front of 70,000 people at Raymond James Stadium. Mm. My family coming from Scotland weren't going to be there. My wife wasn't going to be there. Such a part of my journey, it was going to be in front of nobody. Yeah. It changes here and he goes into WWE corporate speak. That bit's honest. But <laughs> it wasn't until I realised the gravity of the COVID situation and that we were going to be the only original content in the world, essentially, at that point. <laughs> and then I thought, wow, it would be pretty selfish, Drew, that you've got a huge opportunity to really make a difference in the world. <laughs> I mean, I mean, God bless him. I mean, you know, th that has been spun to him where someone is sitting opposite him and going, we are the only live entertainment being produced and you are making a difference in the world <laughs> and he's had to go out and see that um drew galloway uh, born in air in 1985 mm. uh, andrew galloway is his real name um you know don't give yourself a nickname <laughs> <laughs> when he was 10 years old he used to read the magazine that was called the x factor if oh you right. remember that looked like a part work um, and it was all about paranormal stuff um, in the oh, wake of... Oh, I don't of, remember that at all. In the wake of the X-Files being huge, mm. um, oh, right, yes. X-Factor became very, very big. <laughs> um, when he was 10 years old, he wrote a letter to the FBI uh, seeing you know, a, a, a call-out in mm. this magazine. Uh, under the Freedom of Information Act, um, he asked them to send him any files they had relating to UFOs. Um, a couple of months later, a file with several documents from the FBI turned up at his house in air. <laughs> Um, <laughs> just a good story. Is he covered by the the Freedom of Information and in, in, with the FBI? Seems Clearly to be. So. I, I mean, I mean, there there is nothing that specifically says you can't tell send ten year old Scottish boys good important point. sensitive classified documentary uh, documentaries <laughs> documents. Uh, his favourite wrestler growing up was Bret Hart. 
and he began training for his uh, professional wrestling career at the age of 15 when his family moved to Portsmouth. Mm. And that was the home of the FWA Academy, one of the um, early wrestling schools uh, in the... Uh, I, I say early wrestling schools, of course, there were, you know, obviously ones much earlier. But after the sort of, you know, the the, uh, the wrestling boom of the mid-90s, mm. it was one of the first to, to re-spring up. Um, his parents said they would support him uh, in becoming a wrestler so long as he gave the same, same amount of focus to his studies. Uh, he agreed, and he has a master's degree in criminology from Glasgow Caledonian University. Oh, wow. So he's maybe something post-wrestling he can get involved in? Yeah. I, I, Spookies and crims? The more you read about him, the more you go. He's, he sounds all right, doesn't he? He, <laughs> like, he likes wrestling, the X-Files, and criminology. <laughs> um, he uh, debuted in 2003 as Drew Galloway. Uh, at the age of 18 and he wrestled in the UK until 2007 so four years uh, when he signed with the WWE in uh, 22 he was put on the main roster very very quickly uh, mm. and he had a very short run um, basically uh, he went to Florida Championship Wrestling they got him ready and he came back to the main roster in t- 2009 what really hampered his career was Vince McMahon went on television and called him the future of the company mm. and he was only in his early 20s there and it was too much pressure at the time people said Vince McMahon is beginning to lose it because this is a proclamation that he's made, which is so wrong. And, you know, it was the first one where they were like, he looks like a fool on television coming out and saying that. I mean, time did prove McMahon right. But then McMahon also is in charge of the company. So, so he can kind of... He can just go, you're going to be it, yeah. like the main event now. Yeah. And that makes me then not look like a dick. <laughs> um, he he spent uh, terrible years in his first run in the WWE. By the end, uh, he had won the Intercontinental Championship very early on. But then he was just spent years at the bottom of the card. He was losing to Tyson Kidd and Zack Ryder. Uh, he was in a group named Three Man Band with Jim Mahal and Heath Slater. And mm. they were a big joke. Um, In one of his final matches uh, in his first run in 2014, he was pinned by El Torito, uh, the mini. Um, And then he was fired. Um, The firing was the thing that really was the making of him. So he remade himself entirely on the independent circuit. Um, The amount of work he did in that period is just insane. So he won the title in Evolve and TNA. He then went back to ICW in Scotland, where he was just insanely over. Mm. Um, The biggest Scottish performer of his generation. Um, He worked for promotions in Denmark, and he was basically across the world for night after night after night after night. He toured Ireland. You see results. He he performed in the Lagoon Leisure Centre in Paisley. (laughs) He's in Greenock Town Hall. The next night, he's in AAA in Mexico. He's in New York for Evolve, WXW in Germany, PCW in Preston, PWG in LA. He's in the Casino Rooms nightclub in Rochester. He's beating Davy Boy Smith at Westcroft Leisure Centre in Carshalton. <laughs> I mean, the man has just gone absolutely like, if there is a wrestling event, I will be there. Yeah. I want to work against other people because I want to be better and I want to come back. He got a lot bigger. He got more grizzled. He didn't have this sort of fresh Scottish face anymore. And he understood what his character was, which was just basically being Braveheart. That was slightly <laughs> what it was. And you can see in his face the amount of work that he's done, that he's he's learnt, he's taken it in, he's put the, the miles in, and he's become a fully rounded package. Mm. Um, he was seasoned in a way that just wouldn't be possible had he remained in WWE. He was in WWE during a really bland period where everyone was wrestling the same. No one really had any personality. And what he's done is he's gone out and he's forged his own identity. And it's just a a great, joyful story 
that he managed to make it back and to the very, very top of the industry. He signed bloody hard work. Uh, incredibly hard work. Mm. He signs with NXT. He has a great NXT run where he's incredibly popular. Had a surprise loss to uh, Andrade Cien Almas in one of the... Just a great match. I love that match so much. Um, he comes back in WWE, and by the time he's there, he's immediately put in the title chase. How they build him up for this match is in the Royal Rumble. Brock Lesnar enters the Royal Rumble. Uh, knowing he just basically says there's no competition so I'm going to win the Royal Rumble and they're going to take WrestleMania off <laughs> and he it's one of the best Royal Rumbles with Brock Lesnar just decimating everyone for half of it <laughs> and then Drew McIntyre eliminating him right. and it was a big big you know exciting he had a good build this mm. Lesnar seemed into it in a way that he didn't seem he doesn't seem often into programs. no he's never into it <laughs> no uh, Drew McIntyre also I mean he, you know God bless him he's overreaching here he uh, did a little interview to say as they had the build uh, Brock swaggered out to take my challenge up and I saw the manic look in his eyes. You know when Brock's into it. You can feel it. The air bristles with electricity. <laughs> he generates a force field of malevolent energy and he was bringing that into the ring like he was about to have a brawl in the UFC. Ramp it down. Ramp it down. If you mate. could read my mind, you'd have known what I was thinking. If you pull a funny one out here, Brock, if you pull a fast one, I'll drop you in a second. <laughs> that was the stuff that was going through my head. <laughs> I overdid nice, that yeah, one. I worked myself up into such a frenzy of aggression that we could have got, done that match in a bar. No cameras there. I was so focused and fired up like I was going to a real fight. <laughs> Drew, Andrew, Drew. Andrew, Andrew. Drew, he, Drew. he will kill you. <laughs> oh, someone's lost their jaw. Their jaw came out. Um, and after all that, you know, good build and the big story of, you know, a decade of Drew McIntyre mm. clawing his way up the mountain. We get one of those silly matches where it's just the finishing moves yeah. and, uh, and until someone wins. Um, this is currently Brock Lesnar's last in-ring appearance. Oh, so he's not come back for anything. He reappeared at SummerSlam 2021 to have a face-off with Roman Reigns. Right. Uh, at the time of recording, he has still not uh, had another match. So this was uh, 18 months ago, mm. um, and he basically fell out of contract, although you know whether, whether he did or it was just signed on the sly, no one's quite sure. But um, yeah, for a while, it looked like this could possibly be Brock Lesnar's final match. They always find it difficult to get him back in, and they have to they have to put a huge bundle of notes on a, on a fishing hook. <laughs> and some sheep. Yeah. And some penguins. I don't know what he keeps on his farm. <laughs> no. um, Drew McIntyre did talk about what it was like afterwards going out uh, back. He said the backstage reaction was non-existent because of the setup. Mm. There was nobody back there initially, so it was kind of weird. But, you know, when I got to Mr. McMahon and Triple H, and obviously we had such minimal personnel there, the people who were there, especially the crew people who have watched me grow up, you know everyone was very happy and very proud. I think for Vince and Hunter themselves, they were very happy to see I've finally kind of grown up and realised the potential they'd seen in me all those years ago. Doesn't sound for like a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound like you talked to either of them. No. But yeah, as, as you say, I mean, you know, the following, the following night on Raw, they actually uh, showed the hidden... WrestleMania main event. Right. So, yeah. What? So it was really confusing. So after this match, he goes out and he fights Big Show. That's right, yeah. they. <laughs> I, I don't quite know why they did this, but they obviously just sort of went, well, we've got them here. Yeah. So it's 4.30 in the morning. Big Show's been sitting around for eight hours. <laughs> uh, and they had uh, a match between uh, where McIntyre retained the WWE Championship uh, over the Big Show. Um, it was, took place about 25 minutes after he'd won the title. Uh, and it went longer than the uh, Brock Lesnar match. Yes. And then they put it on to Raw. Um, it would be Big Show's final WWE match. Uh, right. Before okay. he, he would uh, eventually sign with AEW. So it was uh, a little bit of a sort of a PR coup in that you could say the last, you know, we've just signed 
the guy who headlined WrestleMania last year. He was the <laughs> final match on and yeah. it was Big Show. Um, I had a quick look at just one other thing, which is what what's Drew McIntyre like as a dude? And I was like, oh, I bet he likes X-Files and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, some wrestlers seem to have quite empty lives mm. and they don't sound unpleasant or anything, you know, um, but he's talked about what he does um, outside. Um, I spend a lot of time in the gym, but there's only so much time you can spend there. Me and my wife watch quite a bit of television. Oh, let me guess. History Channel, uh, D-Max. It'll be that way. Discovery. Won't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like to go on walks when I have the time. We try to find the local trails in the area and go on adventures. That's how we pass the time. Oh. This is an interview with Newsweek, by the way. <laughs> Most recently, I've been thinking of getting back into video games. Uh, I used to love Resident Evil as a kid. I hope that's still a thing. And two, my guitar has been sitting up there for eight years untouched. So maybe I'll bring that out and start getting good again and start a band. Not <laughs> not the three-man band. Something fresh. <laughs> so, so what do you do? You go to the gym. You watch TV. Go you, to a boffy. You walk. And then you're like, I've got a guitar that I've not touched in eight years. <laughs> And I could do video games, but I've not played them since 1992. <laughs> so funny. It's a little bit of an empty life, isn't it? It is a little bit, yeah. Bless Poor us. Andrew. Poor Andrew. Anyway, so that is the end of the <laughs> most sort of like up and down complex period mm. in WWE history where they had to put on two nights of WrestleMania in entirely different circumstances. But thankfully, next year, WrestleMania will be 100% back to... No, 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 no it won't. <laughs> no. Oh, oh well, look, weird. respect is due. That is your York Notes guide to WrestleMania 36 Night 2. I, um, everyone sort of goes like WrestleMania one, Night 1 is the better one. Mm. I think a lot of that is down to the fact that when you've seen one WrestleMania Night 1, when it comes to Night 2, you're like, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that is disappointing. But yes, uh, it was okay. It, yeah, it was okay, but like again, because we record these kind of in, in chunks. Like I was like, well, that was a good one because it had the Firefly Funhouse match. Yeah, it was, match. yeah, they should have called it something different. Yeah, they should. It's <laughs> very difficult. Why is that's Firefly probably, so difficult to say? That's probably why uh, O'Neill came back and went. I don't know what I just saw because I don't want to say it again. I do not want to say it again. <laughs> say it, the Firefly, <laughs> the Firefly. <laughs> oh man! So look, we're going to be back next time with uh, one of the worst shows of all time, yep. Money in the Bank. Uh, 2020. Yes, please. And then after that, Pete, you know what it is? It's WrestleMania 37, one, aka baby. last WrestleMania. Look, by this uh, handling, I mean, how many shows are we getting? This one, six, seven. I mean, we could be oh, there yeah. for the next three years. Oh, but yeah, yeah. But so by, the, we go. by the time we finish 37, hopefully 38 will be starting. <laughs> and we can go straight into it. Look, in the meantime, we are going to be uh, churning out a lot of material mm. uh, over on our Patreon. Yes. Uh, it's uh, WrestleMe, Patreon forward slash WrestleMe. Mm-hmm. I imagine that gets you there. Uh, and for those of you who come to see us at the uh, live show in two days' time, yeah enjoy it uh, we'll be having loads of merch out and the merch will also mm. be available on our big cartel site and uh, i'm going to put it up i think the morning after the live show okay so anything that's left over uh, you can happily purchase uh, knowing full well that you are uh, you know just just basically we we've got a lot of lawyers fees because we've been doing a lot of ip research <laughs> <laughs> come and uh but do come and buy some uh greg valentine uh bird yeah i, I would I, I, look i think it's i think it's safe to say that is the stupidest piece of wrestling <laughs> merchandise that's ever been made and as part of that i mean in a way it's a noble endeavor yeah that do is you- that is the one thing if i'd not made 
I would want. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I completely agree. Uh, and uh, do you want to plug your shows? You've got on the... Uh, they'll be next week, won't they, on the live, on the old uh, yeah. podcast Yeah, so look, I think if this goes out on Thursday, mm. you can come and see me tonight Whoa. at the London Podcast Film Festival. I'm going to be doing uh, the One One Show. Uh, what's it called? The The One Show the, Show. The one show. Uh, with John Holmes uh, and our guest, Danny Robbins, mm. who uh, does the Battersea Poltergeist podcast. He's also got a West End show on at the minute called Ooh. 222. Uh, and uh, the following week, yep, we've got some shows on... Uh, Brian and Roger, my mate bought a toaster. Mm. There's uh, friends with friends. Look, it's all good shit. Yes. Come and see Clash of the Titles as well after the Wrestle Me show on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to be there. Uh, Alex Zane and Chris Tilly and Vicky Crompton yes. uh, are going to be doing it. We're going to have a drink with those guys. Yeah. It's going to be great. So I look, need, if I need to book a hotel or else I'll be sleeping on the streets. Oh, that's true. That's a good idea, actually, Pete. <laughs> um, uh, look, I look, we look forward to seeing you all. Um, we hope we, you're going to be able to stay and join us for a beer afterwards. Yes. Uh, just so you Blood know. It, <laughs> have, make like an alcoholic drink with the tie. Sorry, not the tizer. The yeah. Greg Valentine. Greg the Hammer Valentine's Bird. Bird Blood. That's yeah, right. So, yeah. I, I, it's worth saying it takes us a little bit of time. <laughs> when we go backstage we have to do a load of sort of like paperwork and get yeah. files and stuff like that so uh, it does take us about Showers, like push yeah, or rub it downs. can take you about like 40 minutes to actually get out of there it's a right pain <laughs> so don't think that we've nicked off we no, we're we gonna will have be a sticking drink. around yeah respect yeah. is due sweet uh, we will see you there that was Wrestlemania that was WrestleMe. he's been Pete I've been Mark that's it goodbye Yay. Yay. Oh, that's 59 minutes WrestleMe. we could have gone to an exact hour and part of the Acast Creator Network. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.